0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Tuesday. It's March 10th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James, James Davis. And we are on the... Heels of one of the crazier DFS nights um, if that I can remember in recent memory. DFS is crazy. Every you night. always say that too. No, I, I know we joke about that, but this one, this one is this one was was completely unique. Buck, bucks, cop I practiced this ten times. I still can't say it. The crazy that I was. I was going to combine the word Bucks and apocalypse, and I can't. I just. I simply can't get there no matter how many times I try to say it out loud to myself. But so like last night, Giannis has ruled out. Way early, like a day before. So everyone knows he's not going to play, which almost right. always sets up, you know, a Middleton, Bledsoe, and then usually like some other third piece chalk. Bledsoe then gets downgraded to doubtful about a half hour before the actual slate starts. So it's like, okay, well, we'll get, you know, get Dante DiVincenzo in there and we'll get the, you know, there's some ways to go here. Middleton, maybe Middleton looks even better. Then 15, an hour and 15 minutes after the slate starts, but 15 minutes before the, the not scheduled tip off, but like the nine o'clock Eastern thing starts, we get that now that Middleton is out in Brooklyn, and now they're just sitting everybody. And now you get, like, <laughs> you get Theonis, his brothers in there, Sterling Brown, who hasn't played a minute in, like, four games, is going to start, and they throw in the white towel. I mean, can you remember something like that? And by the way, like, Middleton was, like, 96% start on FanDuel. <laughs> Eight, and, and most people, I will say, I'm going to give a compliment, then a question. One, if you were in our chat room last night, this was not a problem for you we pivoted everything and actually got a lineup with all these Bucks guys in there and like yeah. you know, Jokic and everything kind of just like worked out sort of been a miracle because the Charlotte uh, and Atlanta guys like didn't kind of over on the original lineup. So we had no problem. Like we had 15 minutes to spare. If you jump back in the chat, we talked through all the scenarios and we were good. But can you remember a situation like where this high of an ownership Multiple guys, by the way, like brooke Lopez was fifty percent. These guys remained fifty percent starts in DraftKings because not everyone can switch. Can you remember a, 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 t- a time where two guys who were like ninety percent starts each just didn't play, <laughs> like just, just no. simply just didn't just didn't play at all? I these are my favorite times to go to Twitter and just type in like DraftKings and Fanduel and look at like the support uh, stuff that people, because <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute absolute sea of bloodbath bloodbath blood, 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 people asking for their money back and just being generally pissed and just, like... Well, this is
1: why I've always said they should have, like, where you drop your lowest score in case there's an injury or something like that.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Everyone would have dropped Middleton. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, like it's, 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 I, know, I know you're kidding because that was real stupid. That Fandle, thankfully, went back and just said that. That's not. This didn't have the intended consequences that we thought it was going to have. But, yeah, like, this is... The, I, I, I struggled to think of another example. And do you think... Does it lend credence to the late swap? Does it like not really matter because we see even sites with late swaps like there's still a massive edge. In some ways, this to me is the case against the late swap um, because just sort of everyone's in the same boat. But I get that those that are well, the issue. The issue always with
1: with ways to, whenever you add more decision points, that's going to favor the more skilled players. And so, if that's the goal to make DFS just a more skill intensive game that late swap dropping the lowest score, the more complicated you make it, the better the better players are gonna do for the most part. And then the more efficient or dumbed down you're gonna make it like basic sports betting, right? Where they're like, you think the Pats are gonna win or the Broncos? And you're like, Broncos, man. Right. Plus five and a half. Like the spread is in there to to dummy proof it for you in case you're just too stupid to because they want you to kind of win sometimes, kinda lose sometimes. Uh the more of these stuff like the more stuff you add like that in DFS like all the people that just put their lineups in at seven o'clock and like went to bed on DraftKings, just got absolutely rolled and smoked last night, right? So that did not benefit the weaker players who were like, "Ooh, now I can get away from my guy that got injured." It benefited people like us and our chatters who, you know, are equipped to make f- changes like that on the fly. So it's good for us. I, I, you know, I don't mind it. Whether it's good for the whole industry is a different question.
0: Yeah, I very much doubt we see something like that anytime soon. And like I, 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 I don't know if I said this already, but I do think it actually out existed outside the bounds of the NBA's reporting process on lineup, um, which is supposed to be 30 minutes. But it's a little weird with that because the scheduled time that a game starts is not the actual tip-off. So tip-off is typically like 10 to 15 minutes after the lock. It's like, this isn't like baseball where it starts at 7.05 and the first pitch is at 7.05. Like NBA could mm. actually do a lot, it could go a long way to correct some of these things and just say, this is not when the actual game tips off. The game tips off at 7. Fifteen Eastern. It's just you know, for the TV broadcast at seven. So I don't know if eventually we'll have some something like that put into place. Anyway, crazy night. Hopefully Tuesday uh, kind of lends itself to a little bit more sanity. We have a nine-game slate. A lot of injury news to get into. Uh, a lot of just kind of different ways to take this. some am starting lineup changes for some teams. We'll go break it down game by game uh, and kind of walk you through the different scenarios. The first one is seven o'clock. Eastern Boston goes in and plays the Pacers. The injury news here is that Jalen Brown remains out. So we have some idea of how Boston's gonna play this without him. And then on the Indy side, right now, Brogdon has been ruled out. He's out for a while. He had like a torn, yeah, torn something torn quad. Yeah, torn quad. Yeah. Pretty bad loss for them. And then Victor Oladipo right now is questionable. So we'll have all this information, we'll have that information ahead of time. We saw a lot of ownership on some of these Boston guys the other day. Uh, it was a little bit of a shorter slate with guys like Hayward, uh, Kemba. I think is still on a minutes limit, so it's tough to trust that. Uh, thoughts on this game? Uh, I cannot, I do not think I can go back to the Aaron Holiday. Well, even if yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm that's Brogdon. A, well, that's where I was yeah. going
1: to start because the uh, Holiday has has seen you know north of 40% ownership, depending on the night, and he's seen hitting six x on his price and going for less than three. So it's a pretty volatile one uh, at the beginning of a nine game slate. I'm hoping for better, I will say that. I don't think, you know, if he were just to get the start again, and you could count on the minutes, I understand that the production really wasn't there. I think you could at least consider it, right? I mean, like, we're seeing a consistent 32- to 35-minute rotation. Isn't his average use case in that like you know 5x roughly on this price i don't think that's outrageous
0: it's not outrageous and on a big slate there's just probably enough other cheap guys in here that we can trust more from just a just overall production standpoint and i think that's probably where he gets left on the cutting room floor i think that he has upside um and i i will say too if oladipo weren't to play i would like that i would like this a lot more if oladipo weren't Mm -hmm. to play Guys like Holiday, T.J. Warren would get a pretty big bump um, from a usage perspective here, uh, even like maybe depending on who they started, like a T.J. McConnell um, or, or even Justin Holiday, depending on how they wanted to roll the lineup without depot. I think I'd need, I, I would need to start for me with Depot out, and then I'd kind of move it from there. I do think Hayward is still a pretty good value on FanDuel at a somewhat weaker small forward position. He, played, he was hurt but then came back with no minutes restriction and just played 38 minutes the other day. And with Kemba... On a minutes restriction, still sort of implied that Hayward does get – he sees enough production. Like, he you know, he runs the offense at times. Um, it's clear they, they have no problem playing him minutes. So, of 6,100 on FanDuel, Hayward, to me, is probably still a cash game play. But I'm going to want to see mm-hmm. some of the rest of the injury news here around Indy, I think, before I, I can make any judgments. Uh, New York goes in and plays Washington at the other 7 o'clock game. Washington, four-and-a-half point home favorites – um, I mean, one of the great labors of DFS is auditing minutes each night, and then seeing that Washington is coming up, and thinking to yourself, "I gotta—I'm the one that has to look at this team and figure out, outside of Bradley <laughs> Beal, where the minutes are gonna go." Like, uh, okay, uh, like it's just—it's just impossible. Like this team is impossible. Like, so the other day beal's fine okay beal you just give him like his 39 minutes and 40 minutes and whatever you call it a day on him but then you get like roy hachimura played 40 minutes and shabazz napier played a ton and then you know thomas Bryant's gonna start but he's gonna play 20 minutes like is it just beal or bust here i even roy hachimura who played 40 minutes i can't i just can't trust these guys like i just don't i just don't even a good ma- decent matchup against the knicks but are we here I mean are we firmly here on the Washington guys like a on a big slate if you saw more than Bradley Beal as a Washington guy in a lineup you'd have to think long and hard about it right you just can't trust this team at all yeah i would be absolutely terrified if i saw
1: any other wizards <laughs> besides beal you know it's funny some of our folks wanted to run bryant out there because he had, had three straight games three straight games of decent production on a roughly $4000 price tag Uh, Got 24 minutes against Atlanta and that had people dreaming like hey man, you know, Brian's pretty good on a points per minute basis Goes out and plays 16 minutes against Miami compiles 3.6 fantasy points So I I think he was like the second seemingly safest guy on this team beforehand And uh, and now I think you could pretty much put him in the category with everyone else and yeah there for GPP purposes if you know that Rui Hachimura is occasionally going to play thirty nine minutes. He could sc- certainly score forty fantasy points on that total. It's just that he might play twenty eight, and he can score sixteen on that total as well. So, I I can't imagine for cash games even Beal potentially in a stretch situation now. Like I think we played him on Saturday or Sunday. We were and he was off chalk, even though that was a very very chalky night. He hit almost exactly fifty fantasy points against Atlanta. So an equally good matchup. I don't, I don't even know that necessarily be interested in playing Beal here.
0: Yeah, um, and then I think like Shavaz Napier is the other one. He played 39 minutes. Ish Smith had been – it was out that game. He played 39 minutes against Miami and scored 48 fantasy points. I can see people maybe dreaming on him too. And, you know, Ish out and the secondary point guard kind of stuff is there. I, I get it, but, man, it's still – you just can't trust this team at all. We have too long of a track record where those 38 minutes turn into 25 the next game. And I get there's context around the Schmidt thing. So I and, and he played so well in the last game, maybe this is this the one situation where you get bullish. Yeah, on I think Napier's playable. I think that's that's probably a good call. It's
1: just that he's not even that cheap anymore, is kind of the question. So like, you know, if Napier just inherited the starting role and started and played Washington starter minutes, thirty four minutes maybe, you know, on the really high end for these Washington guys, how much would he be worth? Right. Six six thousand? And he's fifty seven hundred now. Uh, I don't know. It's not
0: like you're really not getting away with anything. I guess is my right my because because here's the thing. He's Red been Napier starting. He's been starting for this team. It's just that the, exactly. minute, just that the just minutes. the are cleaning right up a few extra minutes. Right. Exactly. You're just giving him. You're giving him six to you know ten six to ten if, if you want to be you know honest, intellectually honest about it like six to ten extra minutes. And right at like six five 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, and you said like six thousand on Draft uh, or fifty seven hundred on Fanduel. Um, it's close, but and it's not a bad situation. And you know. We're going to get to some other names here that I think you can tend to trust a little bit more. Before we get to the 8 o'clock games, got to hit you with a sponsor, The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic, you, gotta, you have to know these guys at this point because they're just have, they just scooping up some of all the best content people around for, for every single sport. Uh, it's a subscription-based sports news site for real fans, in-depth coverage from local writers on every single team, plus national writers you know, like Shams Tarania, John Hollinger, uh, Zach Harper, David Aldridge, these are, ba- these are the basketball guys. Shams, and we've said this before, Shams has entered sort of like the Woj class of, you know, there's there's Woj bombs, and then Shams is not too far behind him in terms of NBA reporting at this point. The Athletic set it up a subscription-based service, uh, so it's behind a paywall, but it's one of those paywalls that you know, we talk about our subscription service and how it's just kind of worth it. Uh, The athletic is just worth it. If you're a real NBA fan, especially if you follow different teams, like I know uh, I'm 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 a subscriber to the athletic, so I know for sure the other day, the Shams dropped a really great article about the Kenny Atkinson firing for the Brooklyn nets. And it was the most in-depth coverage I've seen anywhere of sort of trying to explain what happened behind the firing and, You know, who sort of were the voices in it and, you know, where a lot of the thought process came from and like one of the more surprising firings. So I'm good. This is a long way to say the athletic is just worth, like, if you're following specific teams, they just have insider access and are gonna give you sometimes content that most other people aren't gonna be able to see because if you're not a subscriber to the athletic, no ads, no pop ups, no clickbait, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story, player profiles, deep dive on analytics, team power rankings, also fantasy insights. You also get right when you sign up, they just they ask you to kind of you click off the teams and the leagues that you want to see. And they right away personalize the feed for you so that you're just going to get the content that you want to see uh, you, you know, with your favorite teams and all the latest storylines. Yada, yada, yada. Right now, you can get The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase, theathletic.com slash overtime, like the podcast network we're on, you get a 40 percent off a yearly subscription that works out to less than three dollars a month. Totally worth it if you're kind of engaged in this kind of content. So go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase. Get 40% off that yearly subscription. You will not regret it. Theathletic.com slash overtime. Go check them out. Join me in reading The Athletic. Love these guys. Okay, Uh, let's keep rolling through the games, 8 o'clock. Cleveland, Chicago, a game that means nothing for the standings but has, I guess maybe if you're fighting for draft picks here, but has actually a lot of DFS relevance now. for, uh, And this is what happens, starts happening when we get late in the season with some of these bad teams that just started making wholesale changes or guys get hurt. So I'll start on the Cleveland side. They are still without Kevin Porter, who is out with a concussion. They are still without Darius Garland, who has been out, but he's going to sit out at least one more game. And they're also without Tristan Thompson. And I want to get. I, was, I thought about you know this. I knew we were going to talk about maybe this at length on the podcast when I was writing him up last night, but Andre Drummond, when he came over from in the trade, it was like, oh, okay, you know, kind of same opportunity. But then they kind of just buried him. Like, he was playing no minutes, a lot of foul trouble. But the last couple games, he played 35, then sat out three, then played 33, but he was in foul trouble. When he plays, he's just dominant, right? Like, he, it's, it's the per minute thing is not, has not been an issue. It's just the minutes. I, I said about 34 minutes tonight, and I think he's probably the best value on the slate in terms of on DraftKings. Excuse me, on FanDuel at 8,200. Are we able to with Tristan Thompson out? Are we able to trust Andre Drummond here um, from a cash game perspective? Because this has been a sticky situation. We're gonna get to some of the other guys here in a second, um, but I'm gonna start with Drummond. Is he a trust? Is, a, is this a guy we can trust in cash games? Because we've we've gotten we've been on the wrong side of this, you know, wanting to give him yeah. bullish minutes uh, in the past.
1: Well, I'm pleased to see that we have two game sample now of him playing bigger minutes because we we know what he's capable of on a per minute basis, right? I mean, that's never been in question at all. It's just that the Cavs have elected to only run him out there for 23 minutes a game for who knows why. (laughs) It's just a crazy situation. So the fact that he's now in a 33- to 35-minute rotation probably means he should be priced more like he was in Detroit, which was significantly above this current total. And while it's the Cavs and it's going to be tough to play a big man in most of their matchups because they're going to be expected to get blown out, going against Chicago is probably not one of those situations, right? So I think when you look at Drummond here the idea that like basically everything is working in his favor the minutes are on the uptick the matchup is as good as it gets Chicago's been about like in that fight for dead last against opposing centers all season long and the fact that they're only four and a half point dogs yeah I think it's I think it's Drummond right here
0: okay so we have Drummond I think we feel pretty comfortable on that one centers not all that deep a position there are some mid-tier guys that I find interesting we'll get to those shortly what about the rest of these guys? We got a ton of minutes out of Nance off the bench last game. With Thompson didn't play, uh, we've seen Colin Sexton play a ton without Darius Garland mm-hmm. get a lot of usage. Got even Matthew Dellavedova played like forty something minutes in regulation the other day and had mm-hmm. yeah fourteen points and eleven assists um, in thirty nine regulation minutes in the, against the Spurs. Um, other thoughts here: Sexton's usage wasn't as crazy in that last game with Drummond coming back, but he still played close to forty-eight, or close to forty minutes. Uh, thoughts on some of these other Cavs guys? Still looking at a team that's very thin and has had no problem running the main, sort of the main contributors, a ton of minutes in the short term.
1: Yeah, so Drummond definitely impacts Sexton's usage, and it's worth keeping in mind. The thing with Sexton, though, is you know we were talking about Shabazz Napier, I'm wondering what his per, you know his true price would be. As a starter with 35 minutes a game, I asked the same question about Colin Sexton, because frankly, Drummond's coming back, if that just makes, like if that reduces Sexton's overall fantasy output by 10%, he's still the best play on the board. Right. <laughs> if it reduces it by 20%, now you're in, it's more of a competition, but that he would still be good for around 6x points per dollar on any given night. and. I think I'm still fine rolling Sexton out there again I want I to do it in better matchups I don't think like we were just kind of blindly throwing I mean they're against Utah whoever Denver you know right. uh, I think given that things are you know filling out a little bit more around him I don't think you can just employ him without being a little bit judicious but sure against Chicago I mean they're Chicago not nearly as bad against other positions as they are against Center but I think Sexton's floor is basically what we saw last game around 30 fantasy points and I think that's plenty uh, going into a slate like this. Okay, so
0: yeah, the, the case for Sexton is that in the end, the minutes were the same. The usage was basically the same, if not higher. He still took 19 shots. He got to the line 11 times last game. Um, the assist numbers have never really been all that great for him. He's got a score to hit these these numbers. The the case against him is that he only that he played five less minutes. He had been playing like 40, 45, 39. Uh, last game with the overtime, he only played 34 minutes in over in, in regulation. So that would be your only little concern. Uh, on Sexton. Let's go over to the Bulls. So the the news on the Bulls here is that they have made a starting lineup change, and they're going to start Kobe White instead of Thomas Sadoransky. Kobe White had been like sort of like the nominal starter um, in the short term. He had been coming off the bench, but playing just a ton of minutes off the bench. He even played you know, 35, 37, 34 over right. like, since the Zach Levine injury. Now he's just going to start. And I'm wondering, one, what you think the real minutes should be on this guy who's already playing just like the whole game outside of the initial rotation when he first didn't when he just wasn't there for the first six minutes of the game um and then is he just like a cash game play like he's 6400 on FanDuel. that feels like a pretty pretty good value like this guy's a really good fantasy player and you also have shaquille harrison who's been playing a monster amount of minutes um, he's not really the point guard, but he's labeled as a point guard on these sites. He's played thirty-five and thirty-three and been amazing. Can we just maybe stack the Bulls backcourt here, with the assumption that like these are, these are all the guard minutes now? Like, do you feel safe saying that with this move, or is it do we still kind of need one game to see what the the plan is? I think that's an
1: option. I'm a little bit more concerned about Harrison just because a lot of the value the last few games has come from an incredible surge in defensive stats. Now, if you followed Harrison all season, I haven't, but I did go back and look at his game log. Uh, he can he can put up defensive stats in bunches. I mean, even when he was playing 15 to 20 minutes a game, it wasn't uncommon for him to chip in two defensive stats. Like, he really is a guy that can put up numbers on the defensive end. So, you know, whether he's going to get five defensive stats a game the way he has the last two games remains to be seen. You know, No, no player in the NBA does that, so I would assume that he also will not do that but you never know, uh, even if he's good for three defensive stats a game, that's a heck of a floor to just begin with on a sub $5,000 price tag. So I think if you can get 30 to 33 minutes a game out of him, definitely an interesting option here. Um, you know, the Bulls have been sort of weird with minutes recently, but I think them committing to Harrison and White just makes sense for them now, makes sense for them in the future. And yeah, I, I think it's I think it's an option. Um, Kobe White, I think he's, he's kind of funny, too. We got scolded by... You got scolded, I should say, by our chat for not playing him off the bench. I think the, the only question I have about this is, we've seen this a number of times, guys running the second unit, a lot of his usage comes from playing alongside the guys that just don't do anything at all, especially on these shallow teams like the Bulls, who really run out some names that you've never heard of before coming out of that second unit. Are you worried at all that concentrating his minutes alongside the starters might have some downward pressure on his performance? Because... I mean, the performance has absolutely been there, but if if like, can he really play more minutes? Is my question. And if he's playing minutes alongside the starters instead of the second unit, should we actually potentially look at a? A little decrease in production here.
0: No, I'm not too worried about that. I think that the starting unit for them right now is not filled up with incredibly high usage guys. Like it's him. It's not going to be him, Shaquille Harrison, who's not. Denzel Valentine, who like will take shots but doesn't play a ton of minutes. He's one of these guys that's like cutting room, cutting room floor with the starters. Lori Markinen a little bit, but the, he's still in a minutes restriction. And then Wendell Carter Jr. Like this is not a group that actually just like is trying to find their shot. And this the second unit. He, he, He was basically playing with the starters closing games anyway because he had been playing so many minutes. He was playing starter minutes. So the long story short is no, I'm not really worried about that piece of it. Um, They just don't really have a ton of other guys that just can get their own shots. And the assist numbers for him were decent. As well, like he's had eight, six, six, five assists over the last four games, so there's some ball distribution stuff too. I'm not too worried about it. I guess the the only problem is that the price has come up off all these bench minutes already, so he's not exactly. Like if he was five thousand, I don't think we'd even be talking about it. Sixty four hundred on Fanduel has it a little closer, and I think he's like he might even be like seven thousand on DraftKings, and that's the that these are the only yeah sixty eight hundred. I think I think the the only question now is that if the price is probably ticked up just enough but he could play 40 minutes I just don't know um I, I wouldn't be shocked like if we looked at it after this game and they were like oh Colby White just played 40 minutes this game um so who knows I, I think I think from that standpoint you, you can't take him there right out of the gate I remember he had 37 minutes which is very aggressive um but I think that uh there's some chance we see him as a value, and I I, I doubt that he's he's not going to put up like 60 fantasy points. I don't think that's I don't think we're totally at risk of that. All right, let's keep grow, rolling here. Minnesota goes in and plays Houston. Houston on a pretty bad skid here. They've lost four in a row, and a couple of these these aren't like exactly the the elite of the elite of the NBA. They lost to Orlando, they lost to Charlotte, no, they did lose to the Clippers, and they lost to the Knicks. So this is the last four games. The last four games for all the small ball talk centers have come absolutely brutalized the Knicks over the last five games. It is, so if you look at, if you look at just, if you want to assume that everyone's labeling their guys, this is always the hardest part. It's like, you know, where you're labeling uh, your players, but opposing centers over the last five are averaging 25 points a game, 19 rebounds which is three rebounds more than the next than the next closest team allowing <laughs> allowing this like the 25 uh, is is right in par on par with it, what Atlanta's doing um and that's part of that's just on like that over the double overtime game last night um against the, the Hornets so it's not even like a perfect one to one comparison or, or excuse me, against the Heat ah, no sorry against the Hornets I had it right the first time um I, I late season is where we kind of start doing this stuff. I kind of started going in and readjusting some of our defensive stats uh, for Houston because we're just getting a track record now of the small ball era. It's all fun and games, but when you just don't have a guy over six seven, six eight on the court, other teams can take advantage. Uh, what are your thoughts here on what Houston and what's happened to Houston recently, uh, and then we can talk a little about the game.
1: Yeah, well, I think when stats match your priors, and you know, you so you say. Houston is now smaller. That should mean that they rebound the ball worse. And then if they start rebounding the ball worse, I think you can start making adjustments uh, to the underlying expectation. And they're certainly a team where you can just throw out the year-long defense-first position stuff, especially when it comes to rebounding for that exact reason. So, yeah, I'm comfortable doing that. The question is, how does that really impact our DFS strategy when it comes to Minnesota? Because, you know, they're basically splitting minutes now between guys like Nas Reed and James Johnson. They don't run... You know, while Towns is on the sidelines, none of their guys qualify at center, So it's not like this is some team with the Twin Towers that's just going to come in and clean up the boards. Does this open up some obvious value that I'm missing here?
0: Uh, I mean, I like I was going to talk about Nas Reed. Um, I think Reed is just – he is the center when he's on the court here. He has good per-minute rebounding numbers. He His problem is that, you know, he needs to – he's just not going to ever top 28 minutes. But, yeah, exactly. Um, that's tough. And so – I think that he has decent a decent floor on this number, but I'm also just a little bit worried about the blowout. It was mostly just kind of like opening up the conversation about what to do with like a team that's obviously had clearly some kind of monumental shift in the way that they've approached, and the stats are bearing it out. And maybe this isn't the game where we attack it, so it's moot anyway. They are 12 and a half point favorites, so you're worried about the blowout right now in our system. Going on, going from the other direction. Is James Harden is basically showing up in every lineup on dra- on FanDuel, excuse me, and a lot of the lineups on DraftKings early on. These things are always subject to change, but usually when it's the most expensive guy showing up around <laughs> top lineups, that is not the piece that ends up moving later on. That's it's you know the more ancillary pieces. How are we feeling about Harden here? The, the production has been okay, and Minnesota they're another one where their season-long sort of stats don't really reflect what is happening to them because they don't play any defense at all. Like <laughs> this new team, the D'Angelo Russells and League Beasleys and you know Nas Reed at center and this, this group, they can let up a ton of points. Um, there's just no, no doubt about it. They, let's see. They allowed 120 to New Orleans, 132 to Atlanta, 108 to Chicago, 139 to New Orleans. These are the last four games. And then 111 to, to Dallas, who took their foot off the gas late uh oh 120 136 to Orlando I mean, the list goes on this team just lets up so many points um where I mean is, is Harden just a player Harden and Westbrook where do you stand here because this is Minnesota really does now represent one of the best DFS matchups around
1: yeah undoubtedly I think the only potential fly in the ointment here is the blowout right At Houston 12 and a half point favorites here if you want to make the argument that if the blowout happens, it's because of the contributions of guys like Harden and Westbrook. I'm certainly listening there. I think you're taking on some significant portion of risk, though, by, by walking into this this way. Uh, Westbrook, you know, missed a game recently, supposedly did a rest against Charlotte, but in his other two games, 30 and 32 minutes, granted there were game script issues in those ones too, uh, particularly that Clippers game where he basically just got run off the court in the first half. But There could be game script issues here, too. And if Houston is eyeing a playoff run, understanding that this pace of basketball that they're playing, this style of play might just not be sustainable for (laughs) four straight months here as they try to gear up for the playoffs, I think these guys will be at risk of losing minutes going forward. So, yeah, it's about as good a matchup as you could possibly get. I think you'll be able to afford it. Uh, I'm also just going to be at least looking at my other big money options just to see if there might be that tiebreaker where I can get a good big money guy. In a game script that's not potentially
0: quite as crazy. Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. Um, it's a make or miss league. The losses for the Rockets have come down to them just not being able to hit threes. Harden has shot 19% from three over the last four games, um, a three for 10, two for 11, and an 0 for 8 against the Clippers. So if these shots. By the way, no offense to anyone out there, but I- I've heard analysis being like, see, Harden's getting worn
1: down. He's just going to start missing all threes. No, he's not. Uh- <laughs> this is just, the, the, you know, the Rockets shoot 53s a game. Some nights they're going to shoot 19 percent and they're going to lose, but they're usually not. So just relax. That's that's has nothing All you gotta to do, do with what, what he's going to do going just forward.
0: Just go down Harden's game log and just look at the stretches where the a couple games the shot doesn't fall and a couple games then it just turns around. Like this is just what happens for this guy. He doesn't. It's not a. T- there's no tire. He played. I think he's played fewer minutes this year than he played last year. <laughs> Like, I, the last year when I was, you know, when Chris Paul was hurt, they just, he went on that. Well, the idea
1: is that it's a rougher style, right? He's got to get in there, banging and bomb. There's no difference. No, there's no
0: difference in it, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not worried about that piece of it. And I do think, I think that, he, I think he has a, a pretty high floor in this game just because, like I said, Minnesota is just, is real, real trash on defense. All right, let's keep rolling here. Dallas goes in and plays San Antonio. There is a number of injury pieces that are hanging out here. The first and foremost is Luka Doncic is questionable right now with a wrist injury. Now he's gotten like kind of banged up in some weird ways this year, but he's questionable. I'm hoping that we have that news. This is, this starts an hour after lock. I am hoping that we have that news. I think it's really not worth it to speculate too much on this situation without knowing what his, uh, what his status is, except to say if he does play, the floor is pretty high here. I think I'd probably prefer Harden in the big money play. If he didn't play, then we'd have to instantly bump up these other pieces like Chris Stapps and, and whatnot. Okay. Like Chris Apps just becomes like probably a must play. Uh, so that, but again, we don't really know right now. And that's, I think those are just kind of like the quick one to one comparisons. On the San Antonio side, there, DeJounte Murray is now out with a, doesn't have a timetable to return. So he is out of the starting lineup. I'm projecting Derek White to start. Um, and white looks like a pretty good value to me here, um, taking yeah. taking over that role. I actually don't even mind a white sort of like DeRozan style stack in this game. I think both of them are coming uh, at reasonable prices. What are your thoughts here on the Spurs now without Lamar Aldridge and without Dejounte Murray? Not like Dejounte Murray had tremendous um, had tremendous usage or anything, but decent amount of minutes and kind of soaked up a lot of stats as well. Yeah, well, Murray does actually have pretty reasonable time of possession on this
1: team. Uh, he's is one of the lead creators for other people. You know, the Spurs are kind of an unconventional team this way that basically just because their chief time-of-possession guy, DeMar DeRozan, is not a notoriously great passer. Like, he's thought of more as a ball stopper. Uh, DeRozan has been distributing pretty well recently. Uh, You know, he was averaging just a hair under nine assists in the five games leading into that Cleveland game. And I certainly think that's, that's sort of his role right now. So when you look at Derek White, I think you want to view him as... Not as a point guard, even though he's listed as a point guard, uh, but more as a shooting guard that stands to inherit more minutes. Uh, he had been sort of that second unit energy guy sort of feel to it. But like we've talked about many times before, the best possible punts for us are those guys when if you look at their box score, you're like, huh, eh, this price kind of makes sense. Right now he's 4,800 on FanDuel. He's getting there. Around 25-ish fantasy points a game in his last six games. It'd be really tough for him to be worse with Murray's, such as it is, his minutes and usage and time of possession being redistributed. So I think White does actually bring a pretty significant floor, uh, whether he gets there alongside of some of the really good point guard plays that we've already discussed, uh, like the Bulls guys in particular. You Know that remains to be seen for me, but yeah, I think you can be somewhat aggressive with White, knowing that it's going to be pretty tough for him to kill you completely. Yeah,
0: point guard is just completely loaded on the slate. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's it's me. uh, we have Shaquille Harrison, we mentioned, we mentioned White, we mentioned, I mean, Napier is an interesting guy. We're going to get to Rubio in a second. I think Rubio is a great value, so there just are, and then depending on how you want to label them on, on DraftKings, like Harden is labeled a point guard. Um, and so we just have a lot of these just different guys. So that's that'd be the only case against it, is that just saying. Um, there's just a lot, a lot of options at point guard, and you can only play two, maybe three of them if you can get over to draft. I mean, sometimes at DraftKings you can get up to four, depending on how they're labeled. So um, that's that's really the only consideration there. Uh, mm-hmm. And a good point about DeRozan wrote about that, that the assist numbers have ticked up, where the, u- the usage has not really gone in the same di- the right direction, I thought, with where Aldridge, his role in the offense has at least ticked him up to have a nice floor. And obviously keep an eye out for that Luca Doncic news because that will – that could just completely change the slate all right orlando goes in and plays memphis memphis uh for all the injuries that they've been dealt still just kind of hanging around as a a pretty good team here (laughs) they're still right now in the western (laughs) conference they they're right now if the playoffs started today they'd be they'd still be in the playoffs they're a few games up on let's see they're four games up on new orleans in the loss column and it looks like they're going to get jaron jackson Back fairly soon not not for this game, but um, that would that would be a a move in the right direction from a fantasy standpoint though I'm not sure what this game really does for us Uh, Evan Fournier obviously has been out for the magic Uh, that hasn't really translated too much into uh, Where we want to be for some of these other guys Uh, and then on the Memphis side They've just played actually just a lot of blowouts Um, there It's been weird to like kind of try to figure their minutes in the short term because a lot of their games win or loss over the short over the last few have just been games That one way or the other have been completely out of hand. Uh, Give me your thoughts on this game and on a big slate. If there's any just DFS value out there for us?
1: Yeah, you know it's funny with Memphis because we've actually been the beneficiaries of some pretty good Memphis games recently. Uh, We ran Ja and Jonas Valanciunas together in that Atlanta game, and uh, that was part of why we literally came in first. I think this might have been the first time this has happened when I was on the system where just the Optimal lineup on DraftKings just came in straight up first place in the contest it was in. A very, very good feeling. And, uh, you know, those guys were were pretty highly owned. Now, the question with the matchup with Orlando is basically, you know, Orlando historically has been slightly plus matchup. They're just not this year. You know, they play slow. They play pretty good defense. It's a nine-game slate. While you could argue that... The minutes have maybe been a little bit up and down for the Grizz, simply due to those weird game scripts. I still think that these players are somewhat efficiently priced, so I just don't, I don't know that you need to stretch yourself to try to stick any in there. Uh, the next time the Grizzlies are in a good matchup, I think you're going to want to go back to the well in the same way that we did against Atlanta, but but I certainly don't think you need to do that here. Uh, and then kind of going the other way, yeah, Fournier has been out, but hasn't really moved the needle that much for these other guys. And you know, while Memphis actually has been a pretty good matchup. Uh, I'd say the only guy I could see, well, I'd say there's probably two. Two guys that have gotten pretty decent DFS usage recently, and that's uh, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. I think both of those guys are probably going to be in consideration for a lot of people, but both of them seem. At least close to fairly priced to me. Yeah,
0: the, uh, you can get pretty aggressive. They've they've really ticked up Gordon's minutes, and he's uh, really rebounded the well the ball really well in the aggregate over like the last seven games. There was like a, a dip with a little injury thing um, there, but then he came back with ten boards against the aforementioned Rockets, and then Vooch put up sixteen and sixteen in thirty three minutes against the Rockets. Huh? But yeah, in general, I think that we've seen the prices kind of climb, and and even the guys who really benefit from the from the no and for any air guys like Terrence Rawls off the bench. But he's already he's pretty much correctly priced at this point. So uh, and Michael Carter Williams played a lot last game, but the, that game got out of hand. So I'm really not sure on the Orlando side what you're really getting value wise. Ten o'clock game. Phoenix goes in and plays Portland. Uh, the injury news here that we're waiting on that actually becomes sort of important is DeAndre Ayton is questionable with an ankle. He has sat out the last couple games, much to Aaron Baines's benefit, who's played a ton and been yeah. really, really awesome. I'm not sure we're going to have this news ahead of time. And if we don't, then we can't play Baines. If you don't know if you don't know Aiton's st- status, then you have to just lower your expectations on Baines. But the other players here, like Ricky Rubio, like Devin Booker, they've been playing a lot. Rubio has been awesome. Booker has been awesome uh, from a usage standpoint. I, I feel like, I mean, Rubio right now, he played 37 minutes last game against Milwaukee. Now, that was a compromised Milwaukee team because they didn't have Giannis. But he went for 25, yeah. 13, and 13. Uh, and Booker poured in a lot of points as well. I think these guys just make excellent cash game plays. Um, the mm-hmm. Booker's minutes—you can you can safely project him at like 38 minutes a game at this point, 39 minutes. Like they're, they have no problem running him a ton. Would the Aiton piece affect either of these guys for you? Um, not knowing Aiton would it affect you know our expectation on Rubio and Booker? Because Aiton does have some usage, uh, but I'm I i do not know. I just don't know what you know where that lands. I, clearly on Baines, but it's a little less clear for me on Booker and Rubio.
1: Well, yeah, Aiden has usage, but it's not like Baines has just been standing there doing nothing, right? I mean, Baines has put 39 shots in the air in the last two games. So I think, you know, whatever usage Aiden's going to get when he comes back is certainly not going to outstrip Baines by too much. And the nice thing about this, I think the thing that makes you feel really warm and fuzzy, is that we've had this exact situation two games ago, right? right? And when you look at those games, who were who the guys that succeeded? The guys that you want to play tonight, Rubio, Booker. Uh, Both those guys played excellently in that game. Dario Saric, too, had a really good game. Uh, We know that Phoenix and Portland, as crazy as it would have sounded to say this last year, these teams are just pretty similar. And, you know, Portland has had a lot of struggles this year. and One of of the main ones has been defensively. So I think, yeah, I'm certainly ready to roll it back. Uh, Ruby, in particular, just seems straight up underpriced. Just, I mean, you can go back, geez, to the All-Star break? Yeah, I think you can go back to the All-Star break and see that this guy is at the very least a $7,000 player, if not, you know, pushing up towards 75 or eight 8,000. So that FanDuel price just seems straight up wrong here.
0: Right now we have Rubio, Booker and Michael Bridges all in our top FanDuel lineup. Again, these sure. things are all subject to change, but Bridges, he's just mostly just a minutes guy. They plays a ton of minutes, doesn't do a ton. Like he's clearly the fourth or fifth option uh, on offense when he's out there, but he's gotten the double digit shots. But again, he needs like all 40 minutes to, to really maintain this kind of price. But you mentioned Portland. Portland's just one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They're like 27th in defensive efficiency or something like that this year. And so they just don't, I mean, they're going to get Yusuf Nurkic back pretty soon here, but and that will probably help them a little, but there's, yeah, he's not going to play a ton, and that's not going to happen this game. So, yeah, I love the Phoenix side of this. What about the Portland side? Um, they are our favorite here, that, and guys like Lillard, guys like McCollum. I mean, Lillard, I, I, I'm probably a little low on Lillard's minutes here. He hasn't been all that good since coming back from the injury in terms of just efficiency and just the stats haven't been there. And it's yeah. not like he wasn't getting good matchups. He played against the suns. He played 38 minutes and put up 33 fantasy points. Uh, Washington is a great matchup. can King, the Kings are a decent matchup and he's been, yeah. he has yeah. just hasn't really been all that good. I could probably take the minutes up here. I'm not sure it really matters. And I'm just not sure when he's around if all the rest of these guys are worth it either. What are your thoughts here on Portland?
1: Yeah, you're going to want to be careful with Lillard. I think tonight, because, there, well, there's two things going on. First of all, his year-to-date stats, I think, are just going to be off based on that truly absurd stretch he had. And combining his all-time career peak performance with a long, prolonged injury and a return to reality afterwards leads me to believe that Lillard, you know, because we were looking at him as a $10,000-plus player for a little while, and while 9200 looks like sort of a bargain, that's still basically just fair value on his year-to-date stats. And so I don't think you're going to want to I just don't see any reason to do it, right? How many great point guard plays have we listed so far? We just threw Rubio into an already very competitive field. So Lillard, just not the answer for me tonight. And he does enough, like you said, alongside these other plays that he's going to, you know, at least apply 10% downward pressure on their prices too, from my perspective. And, you know, not all of them have gotten there just yet. So, yeah, unfortunately, Portland, pretty good matchup here. I think this game does have interesting big tournament implications you know, maybe you can sneak in a CJ McCollum type guy at a shooting guard position that's pretty weak. But by and large, this isn't going to be a classic, like, two-way stack or anything.
0: All 10:30 right, games. There's two of them. First is Clippers and Golden State. Um, Clippers are 11-point road favorites here uh, against the Warriors, who have gotten Steph Curry back, although Curry has the flu. Not the coronavirus. Tested negative for coronavirus, so bullet dodged on that one. But uh, he does have the flu here. Not sure if he's going to be – if he's going to see the court um, and that we're pro- almost definitely not going to have news about that before this starts. not sure it matters really uh, the Clippers getting fully healthy here uh, and looking. I mean lost to the Lakers the other day, but in general looking very good around this team. That being said, when everyone's playing, um, you know, it's just it's it, all kind of a race to the bottom in terms of like their overall fantasy production. And then, like I said, Golden State is just too hard to figure for me without knowing the Curry news. Is that like a fair way to sum this game up at this point? I mm-hmm. would, if Curry were to sit, maybe. It feels like they'd get absolutely dumpstered no matter what. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that would be my concern. The Clippers have just been looking like a, the
1: scary team that many people thought they would be coming into this season. You know, especially like those, okay, the Lakers game, whatever. The Houston and Oklahoma City games where they were t- playing against two teams, that are like a lot of people have been like well, what about this team not a team you want to face in the playoffs don't tell that to the clippers cuz they've been absolutely eviscerated those two teams and while they might not feel the need to get up for the golden state game in the same way it still is you know the reigning big dog in the west and i think teams have been sort of sticking to it i don't know for revenge but you remember like pat beverly early in the season he was like so happy when they were beating golden state i just think they're going to bring it i don't I don't think you want to mess with any of these Golden State guys even if there's more opportunity open up yeah I
0: tend to agree let's get hit the final game the Lakers host my Brooklyn Nets fresh off yeah, home, your nets fresh friend. off the Kenny Atkinson firing Lakers mm-hmm. are 11 and a half point home favorites here uh, against a Nets team who did win their first game post Kenny Atkinson when they beat the Bulls the only you know real news here well, I, don't know. Uh, Guess it's working. I will say the I said the, the news on the Nets is that the that the reason Atkinson was fired is because he just didn't want to play a certain style that some of these other guys want to play. And we saw, actually saw a clear shift the first game without him where Jared Allen just doesn't start and DeAndre Jordan comes in and plays 30 minutes as the starter. That was, the first, mm. that was like the first kind of like domino that fell. It was very clear about like what were all the reasons he wasn't going to be here anymore. Well, this is one of them. DeAndre <laughs> is going to get the start. And the starters, Levert and Dinwiddie specifically, played a decent amount of minutes, something Atkinson was always sort of unwilling to do. So I think we have seen – I think we can make some judgment calls on at least, you know, rotations for this team. Again, I'm not sure it matters against the Lakers in a game where they could really get blown out. But going forward, like if they were to get blown out this game, I still think we could be aggressive on some of these minutes. That being said, guys like Dinwiddie are kind of coming a little cheap. Like DeAndre Jordan, 5,500, against in a game where they're so big, it feels like he's going to play as long as the game stays close. Um, And then we have LeBron and AD going in the other direction. What are your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, this is a tricky one, man, because, I mean, I, I don't know that sneaking by the bulls is any big credit to the new administration here no, in Brooklyn. No, no. I think this is going to be a pretty a pretty tough one for them. And You highlighted the point. Like, I don't think you can play Dinwiddie at Levert at, at essentially fair prices here. I, You know, both of them, I guess more so Levert, but both of them had pretty secure roles already and kind of have earned these prices, if you know what I mean. When it comes to DeAndre Jordan, though, he is the type of guy we, we've seen him compile numbers in the past, and he's still been super like whatever you want to say about him being old, having difficulty moving on a fantasy points per minute basis this season. He's still be pretty damn strong. And if he really is going to go from being a 19 minute a game guy to a 28 minute a game guy, that will justify this price point. And I think in a matchup against the Lakers, like I just wish it was almost wish it was any other matchup because the likelihood that they just get completely rolled here is yeah. high enough that. I'm pretty concerned about a big man with trouble shooting free throws. Like that just doesn't seem like a great fit for the, for how this game could potentially go. But I'm, I'm ready to see DeAndre Jordan in my DFS lineups at some point soon. And if it were tonight, I, what does what your gut tell you? I mean, if he if he if you gave him 29 minutes, does that feel too high? First of all, and second of all. Would you be comfortable just rolling it out there and hoping for the best? Fifty-five
0: hundred. He's in DraftKings right now. Not a universal play, but it's he's it's it's at least a question. Um, I will say that the Jordan thing, just from having watched the game, and is that I'm actually comfortable like being able to contribute. He passed really. He had four assists in the game. And they weren't by accident. They ran like a lot of high post stuff through him. Um, and so it wasn't like these assists just kind of materialize out of nowhere and will disappear the clear they, there was a, a, a somewhat of a shift in the way their offense ran just from having watched this team all year that they they were just running high post stuff where he was just finding cutters and finding um just guys around the perimeter and they move the ball a lot so I think the assists are real I think for DraftKings he has a pretty high floor even at like if they got beat by a lot and he played 24 minutes I I don't think he totally kills you at 5,500 I don't think you have to do it on DraftKings or on FanDuel where just like Drummond I think is just such a good play at 8,000 that I wouldn't take the risk there and if like in DeAndre Ayton didn't play then I think you could play a guy like Bain so I think that's probably where I land on it and I'd still be worried uh I'd definitely be worried about the blowout um just because this Nets team is still not very good, <laughs> so and then real quick, would you give me your quick thoughts on? on I, I wrote up Anthony Davis um, as just a good play tonight. He feels undervalued. Like of all the, the expensive guys, he feels not DeAndre Jordan, but I mean not Andre German, but um, at like less than Davis at less than ten thousand on on Draft. I'm just screwing everything up here. Uh, DraftKings um, feels like a really really nice value, even in a game where that might get away from them.
1: Yeah, our system has been really wanting to roll Davis out there a lot recently, and the only thing that ever gives me pause on him is this little GTD tag, you know, because I get that he's probable, Anthony Davis should just have his own, he should just have his own injury reporting rules or something like that, because he is the guy, I mean, on DraftKings it hurts you less because there's late swap and there's actual, you know, other ways you could pivot the money in this game, but that's the only thing that would give me any concern is just that slight chance of an injury situation. I, I I don't think it's enough to move the needle on DraftKings. I think if your model is showing that he is a good play at 35 minutes or whatever, I think you can roll him out there, but yeah, it's, it's at least enough to make me question and, and would be a tiebreaker sort of thing where I would want to lean hard and, you know, in a game with potentially a similar game script, similar matchup. I, I think I just, just to soon to play Harden at a big money spot and, and try to go somewhere else. But, you know, maybe you can play both. And I
0: think people are going to want to talk themselves into LeBron, maybe, who's been tremendous over the last, uh, you know, really, well, really all season, obviously. But the last four. Career. Last, yeah, career. All, all 80,000 minutes or whatever he's played. But specifically lately, you know, he put up 28 and 9 and 8 against the Clippers, 37, 8 and 8 against the Milwaukee um, yeah, with triple doubled against New Orleans, uh, he, the the defensive stats have been there a little bit more for him recently than they have in the past, so that's bo- that's boosted him a little. Uh, so I don't know. I, I probably still lean Harden here. Real quick, thoughts on Le- like LeBron safety versus Harden safety in this one because I think this might be a this might be like the final question that comes down to for people.
1: Mm. It's very similar in my mind. I think LeBron. Gets a little of, even more of that credit of if it's a blowout, it's his fault than Harden does, just because the Rockets do have, especially when it comes to scoring, just do have some other options where the Lakers just really don't. <laughs> like they're a team made up of guys like Avery Bradley and Danny Green and, you know, their centers who can simply just disappear or just go into their, you know, role of standing around as an outlet if it doesn't work between LeBron and AD for some reason. So I think for that reason, LeBron probably gets the slight safety edge there, but I think either one's fine. And I think you can kind of just go with you know that the oftentimes the unsung aspect of this decision making for us is who are the other yeah. options at the position and you know we've discussed a few good shooting guard plays so far I think the only small forward we've even mentioned is Michael Bridges yeah we mentioned point. Hayward I I kind of glossed I glossed true, over true.
0: Rudy Gay who I think is actually a good play too like in the San Antonio game so no. like, there were some other there were some other ones um and a few more than there were. There, there's really no cheap real options that I saw on, on Shooting Guard on FanDuel. So that's not in the, not okay. that there's none, but if, in terms of like highest points per dollar, you have like Bryn Ark, since that has guys like Bryn Forbes and Dylan Brooks and Courtney yeah. Lee, and you're like, ah, I don't know about this, right? <clears throat> I don't know about that. We played
1: Dylan Brooks the other night, buddy, in our famous, now famous first-place lineup on DraftKings, he was in there. All right,
0: well, there you yeah. go. Dylan Brooks everywhere. All right, we're gonna get out of here. <laughs> DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on a free seven-day tr- trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. It's optimal lineups for NBA, NHL, which our chatter's has been over the moon about, our users been over the moon about NHL um, th- with our guy Chris, Chris Durrell, who's been just murdering it since I mean, really all season, but the specifically the heater the NHL is on, it feels like from you know, from what we're being told and the feedback we're getting is uh, worth it on its own, but it's all covered under one subscription package. So free for seven days and then just twenty nine ninety five a month. It'll cover you for baseball as well. So go find a better deal than that where you're just getting all this stuff under one blanket on balloon, under one umbrella. Oh, and anything you can pile things under. That's what mm. you're getting it under here. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, enjoy your Tuesday night in hoops. Oh, I will be.